Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Thank you, Jesus. How many times do you feel, how many times do you feel dissatisfied or somewhat unsettled with things in your life? Are you tired of just going to work, coming home, watching TV, playing a few games with the kids maybe, going to bed, and then getting up the next morning and just doing the same thing all over again, all over again, all over again? How many times do we feel unsettled or or dissatisfied with that? If so, it may be that God, who has placed a Holy Spirit staring within you, in hopes of provoking you, in hopes of, of urging you to start seeking out his perfect will for your life. So I urge you today, don't wait another day. Don't wait another day to begin the search for God's will in your life. Many times when we're feeling this unsettledness, you know, sometimes I know over, over the years in developing a career and so forth that God blessed me with that, especially being working in the secular realm, um, you would feel like the rubber band is just kind of stretching, just stretching. Or like a balloon that you're blowing up and it's getting to the point where it's about to burst. Sometimes you may feel that in your life. When there's expectations that you're praying for, you're just saying things just can't continue to go the way that they are, that they are going. Every single day is the same as the day before. It is important for each of us to, to be doing what God has called us to do. Are you fulfilling your call? Do you think that you're fulfilling your call in the Lord? Do you even know what God has ordained for your life? If not, then you're certainly not alone. There's a lot of us that feel that feel like that, you see. Many times we as Christians even forget and think that our call in life is simply to do what we do in our immediate job, to raise our kids, you know, and to go shopping on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever, you know, and get more food, buy clothes, and that's kind of our calling. Well, it's not. In God's mind, it's a lot deeper than that. Your life has a lot more meaning to God and a lot more substance than you're simply doing nine to five or nine to five job or whatever it is that you do, whatever hours that you're putting in. Are you fulfilling your call? Let's go to Ephesians 5. Are you fulfilling your call in God's eyes and not in someone else's eyes? Amen. Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Thank you, Jesus. Let no man deceive you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Starting with verse number... Ephesians 5, verse number 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not you therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. For the spirit, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. uh, Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest, 
and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Underline that, please. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Wherefore he, uh, uh, wherefore he saith, Thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. Uh, I'm sorry. Verse 15. So then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So in wondering what your purpose is in life, one of the things we need to remember, first of all, in verse number six, where it says, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Okay, don't let people, don't let let another human being deceive you in terms of what your purpose is in life. You see, because these words can be their vain words, meaning that they're words from another person. Okay, you go seeking advice. He was, what is my will in life? What should I be doing? Many, many people out there in the world would be more than happy to tell you what you should be doing in the Lord. Okay, and they are, are far from being godly themselves. You see, so, 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 so that God is saying here, you have to stay away from those sorts of things. Okay, and then also it says here in verse number uh, 14, that uh, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You can be asleep even while you're walking around. You can be asleep. You get up and go to work. Oh, how am I asleep, Pastor? I'm driving to work. I'm taking the bus or whatever to work. How can I be asleep? You can be asleep as surely as you're sitting here. You can be, be asleep, spiritually asleep. Because God is trying to tell you something. God is trying to talk to you, and you're asleep at the wheel. Life is going on around you. You don't see what's going on on your job. You don't see what's going on in your household. You don't see what's going on in the store. You're spiritually asleep because you're not tuned into what God may be trying to tell you. You see, so God is saying here, first of all, to wake up. So even for the rest of this service, to wake up spiritually, wake up and hear what God is trying to say to you. How can we ever expect to build God's kingdom if we don't don't know what our part is in that kingdom? The place to start is to realize that the Lord has a specific and a unique plan for you. He's had this plan in mind from the beginning of, the, of, the, of time. Before you were even thought of in your, in your parents' eye, in your, your parents' thoughts, he had a plan for your life. God is with you throughout this whole process of discovering your purpose. You don't have to do this by yourself. If you're trying to figure out what your purpose is, you're not here to do this by yourself. And don't feel like you're, like you're stupid. What do you mean, I don't know what my purpose is? Many of us don't know what our purpose is. We think, we think we know what our purpose is. We think we know that we're supposed to become, you know, the manager of so-and-so or the king of so-and-so or whatever it might be, you know, the queen or something, you know. But, but, but God has a, perfect, a perfect, perfect purpose for you. Okay, and our responsibility as his children is to find out what that is. You know, the place to start is for us to realize that the Lord has this specific and unique plan for you. He's had this plan from the beginning and that God is indeed with you and will always be with you. Go to Joshua 1. This is one scripture that I always keep forefront in my spirit when, when there are challenges and all of us have challenges. All of us have challenges in life. Joshua 1, and it's one to keep on, your, on, your, on, the, on, your, uh, on the tip of your tongue, it's one to keep handy. Okay, and this is in Joshua 1 is where, uh, where God is telling Joshua, now that my servant Moses is dead, that you're going to take over. Okay, now that's like, you know, imagine you being in whatever position you're in at work, all of a sudden... You know, the, the top, 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 top guy comes in and says, guess what? You're going to take over your, your main manager's job. The manager next to the very top position, you're going to take that over. 
And maybe right now you're a typist, let's just say, okay? All of a sudden, how do you feel? Jew is, how am I going to manage this place that's got 2,000 people in it and so forth? In essence, that's what God said to Joshua. You're going to take them. Now that my servant Moses is dead. And I'm not going to read the whole, the rest of the scripture, but just focus in on verse number 9. Okay, what God reminded Joshua. Have not I, Joshua 1, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, if you don't have that highlighted or bracketed or underlined, please do so now and keep that scripture. That that should be one of the top scriptures that's in your um, that's in your in your your your, your cadre, if you will, of of powerful verses to remember. One nine. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That's a good scripture to have in mind because so many times during the course of our normal day. Things will happen. Challenging things will, 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 will just happen. Again, you'll get a piece of mail in the, in the, in the uh, mailbox there that you open it and read it and boy, oh boy, it's something that's just crushing. Some bad news, I don't know, IRS or something like that. So it's just, just crushing. One of the things you should remember, well, first of all, do not be worried. Do not be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with In other words, God is with me. God is with me. He's going to be with me no matter where I go and no matter what the situation is. And that he says to be strong and of good courage. So when you're feeling weak and nervous because of, a, of an action that is before you, a decision is before you, remember that God is with you. You see, so many times when we get those pieces of bad news or those challenges in life, we start immediately start trying to figure out how are we going to fix the problem? How are we going to find a solution? The first thing to remember, do not be discouraged, do not be dismayed, for I, the Lord thy God, am with you, and I will be with you wherever you go. So that's where it starts in figuring out what is my role in God. God had all of your days written out before you were born, as I said before, so he has a plan for you. However, we cannot assume that God's will is automatically going to come to pass in our lives. We cannot assume that God's will will automatically come to pass in our lives, because it it, it possibly won't. Okay, now hear this carefully. We cannot assume that God's will will always, okay, always pan out in our lives, because it may not necessarily. In some ways, God's will doesn't always come to pass. Take salvation, for instance. Let's go to Second Peter. And you're saying to me, well, gee whiz, how could he be saying there that God's will might not always come to pass? Well... We'll see why. Second Peter, chapter three. Second Peter, chapter three. Okay, and starting with verse number one. This second epistle, uh, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles and the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come to in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Underline number three. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Okay, so he's saying here in the second letter that I'm writing, okay, uh, 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 that I'm now writing to you, 
be reminded of the words that were spoken by the Holy, the Holy Prophets and by Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. However, knowing that in the last days there will be scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of this coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. They're saying as they, all, no, nothing has changed. We heard all these words and whatnot, but nothing has changed. Okay. For this very, uh, for this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world uh, that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So what's that, what that is saying is that even though they said that you heard the word from, from us, you heard the words from the prophets, you heard the words from, from Jesus Christ that talks about the things, that, the realities of life, the realities of God. However, it said that in these end times there will be scoffers, there will be people that just don't believe, okay? And they say that, well, what do you mean? All of those nice things you spoke to us about, nothing has changed, nothing has changed. So God here is saying in the scripture, he's saying that there are there are, are people that while God set up a way and a plan for people for salvation, God said that I gave my only begotten son so that you may have life, life eternal. While God set up the stage and set the plan for that, there are people who are scoffers and still don't believe it. Therefore, while it was God's will for them to be saved, they will not be saved because of their own desires, because of their own ways, okay? So this goes back to what I said a moment ago, is that just because you're searching for God's purpose in life, don't think that just because God has a purpose for you in life, that it's going to automatically come to pass. God set it up so that all of these people could be saved. God set it up so that all of these people into the future could be saved. God set it up so that Adolf Hitler could be saved. God set it up so, so that uh, all of those dictators could be saved. It did not mean that it would come to pass because they chose not to accept it. They were either scoffers of God's word or they didn't believe. So it is with our lives. God has preordained from the, from the beginning of time what his will is for your life is. That does not mean that just because God preordained it, that it's going to automatically come to happen. Okay? Because we have a role in that. We have a role in believing what God set up for us is real and what we're going to do to go about pursuing what that reality is for us. So just because God preordained it doesn't mean that it's going to come to happen. Now, there'll be some people online that say, oh, gosh, he's speaking against predestination. No, I'm not either. Okay. What, what predestination really is all about is that God knows the outcome for your life. God knows the outcome for your life. Okay. God knows where you're going to wind up. The thing is, is that God has a desired path for you to take. But because we are agents of free will, we can choose to take whatever path that we want. Predestination and God being omniscient, all-knowing, God knows the outcome of your life for every single possible path in your life. He knows the, he knows the outcome. So in other words, if, if, if I want to walk from this pulpit to the back over there, to, back, to the back where those windows are, God has a plan for me to go this way to my right to get to those back windows. But in my life, I could choose to all of a sudden go to the left. 
Going to the left, all of a sudden, there's a pile of chairs over there that I'm going to stumble and trip over. If I go down the middle path, there's something else that is there that I'm going to stumble and trip over. And God knows the outcome of every single possible path that's in your life. He knows because he's omniscient. However, God's desire for you is to take this right path over here, which is going to be clear and free to get you to the back to where he wants you to be. So it's up to you. So we can't just sit back and say, God has this perfect plan for my life. And being that God is God and being that God loves me, it's going to be a good plan. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the fat of the land and just do whatever I want to be and just coast to where God wants me to be. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We have to know what God's plan is and we have to follow his step there step by step. The beauty of it is, is that if I take this right path around to the back of the room where God wants me to be, it'll be obstacle free. If I choose to go this way to the left, there's going to be trips and stumbles. Now, can I pick myself up and pray and ask God for help? Yeah, and he'll pick me up and he'll help me and whatnot. But it may delay me getting back to the back of the room and I'm going to trip and stumble and have bruised knees and bruised ankles and cuts and and abrasions and everything to get to where God wants me to be. Whereas if I had chosen to take God's path, I would have gotten there unscathed, unscathed. So this is where all of us are in our lives. What is God's will for my life and how do I get there? Most importantly, how do I get there? Okay, it's clear from that scripture that God wants everyone to come to repentance and be saved. Yet we know not everyone gets saved. We know people today who refuse to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If all of us think of search our family lines and whatnot, very few people have a family line where every single individual in their family, every single cousin, nephew, aunt, relative, friend, whatever, is a born again Christian and is saved. Very few families have that. We can say the entire, every single one in the, in the house, in the family is just totally saved. It would be nice to think if that was the case, okay? All right. So there, there are plenty of people that we know that are not. There are plenty of people in our lives that we see that start off being saved. And then we start seeing them slowly drift away too. They start drifting away, getting called into other things. Letting other things pop up in their lives that will prevent them from getting to where God wants them to be. And that's a dangerous place to be too because God also says in Scripture that once you have known me, once you've put your hand to the plow and you decide to turn away, you know, then you're putting yourself in jeopardy here. You see, you see, so, 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 so God's will for our lives is something that we have to be constantly aware of seeking and making sure that we are indeed all on track. But all of that stuff with us not necessarily getting saved, you know, or someone in our family that didn't get saved or, 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 or we didn't attain whatever it is that we think we should have attained in life or, or, or wherever we should have gotten promoted to in life or whatever. And we don't get there. That's not God's fault. It's not God's fault, you see. But quickly, we're so quick to blame God. Something goes wrong in our lives and we start shaking our fists up to the heavens and saying, God, God, why did you, why did you, why did you? There's no God, 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 why did you? If we don't get to where we think we should be or where God wants us, that's not God's fault. God is there and, and waiting to see the, to, to get us to He knows which road we should take. It's not his fault if we don't get there. It's our fault. Okay, so that's what we need to stop and and smell the coffee and wake up so that we know what's going on around us. Once you realize that you are the one responsible for discovering God's will, the next step then, the next step is to start seeking God for it. Once you realize that you're the one that's responsible, and that finally goes off in your mind, Jesus, I'm not going to just sit back and feed the pigeons on the park bench and expect to get, you know, to get a job as as an example, that I have some responsibility. Once you start realizing that you have responsibility, then you have to start seeking God for what his will is. He's not hiding his will from you. 
This is not something that you got to be, you know, um, a, a, a rocket scientist in Bible study. Okay, you don't have to have a Ph.D. You know, you, you know, in theology to figure out God's will. You know, He's made it so simple that you don't need to have all of that. He's not hiding His will from you, but you're going to have to do some seeking to find it. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. You're going to have to do some seeking to find it. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah, here we go. Jeremiah 29. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 29. And we're going to do, just jump right to verse number 8. Jeremiah 29, verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, not let your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you, deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. Okay, so just starting, just unpack a little bit of here in verse number 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. So don't let those people that are going to be prophesying over you or speaking all sorts of, you know, maybe biblical words and so on like that. Don't let them deceive you. And they're saying, he's saying, the interesting thing is that he says that be in the midst of you. So that means that you don't have to be going someplace far to find somebody that's going to prophesy some false prophecy all over you. It could be right there in your midst, right where you're hanging out, right where you're going. So be careful about what it is that, that people are prophesying over you, that be in your midst. Don't let them deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. Okay, now you start having a dream, you know, sometimes people will come to me, oh, you know, I had a dream, a recurring dream, etc., etc. And the first thing I say to them is, I don't interpret dreams. I don't do that. I'm never going to, going to stand up and say to you, well, you know, that dream, that donkey that you dreamed about, that's actually your mother-in-law, you know. No, that's, that's really your mother-in-law, you know. And she's going to be really stubborn about how she's going to be dealing with you in your life. So you got to watch out now. That's your mother-in-law. Oh, another thing. Oh, that's so-and-so, you know. Yeah, uh-uh, I don't go there. <laughs> okay, I, I don't go there, okay. And I will pray for those of you who have mother-in-laws that may be acting like that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, but I, I, I don't go there. Okay, but but the Bible here, God is saying in His Word, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. Underline that, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. Okay, so you got to watch you that is so quick to prophesy over you because that prophecy may not be of God. It could be very easily just prophesying in themselves and, and not, not, not nothing to do with God. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Okay. Do not, they prophesy falsely in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, underline, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. So please highlight all of that, please. Okay, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace 
not of evil. God thinks wonderful thoughts of you, okay, nothing evil. Then shall you call upon me and go and pray unto me. I will hearken. I, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all your heart. Verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away. So they, they, were, they were in captivity. Basically, what does it say? They were in captivity. And they had all these people prophesying to them what was going to happen, where they were going to go. And God said, no, uh, uh, uh. He said, after 70 years, I'm going to speak a word to you and I'm going to bring you to this place. And then at this time, when you, when you pray for me, when you, when you seek me, when you call upon me, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to answer you. And this is what I'm going to do. So we have to be also be very careful now who we are listening, whom we are listening in terms of prophesying doom and gloom in our lives and whatnot. And say to them and say, Lord, I'm tired of just getting up, going to work. I'm tired of just getting up and going shopping. I'm tired of just caring for the kids. I'm tired of just coming home. I'm tired of just playing games and watching TV and then eating and then getting up and doing the whole thing over and over again. I know you have something better for me because you are God. I know that you have a purpose for me. I know you have a reason for my life. Lord, what is that purpose? I want to know. Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm calling out to you. I'm going to ignore what people are telling me I should do. I'm going to ignore what people are prophesying is going to happen to me and, 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 and divining over me what's going to happen. I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to the source, Lord. I'm going to you. I'm going to seek your face. He says there and you, in 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall, shall search with me, search for me with all your heart. That's the key. When you search for God, for God, are you searching for God with all your heart? Or are you just searching for God in the middle of your little five-minute nightly prayer before you go to sleep? Before you put your head on the pillow, you know, you start praying, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, and by the time you hit the pillow, you're asleep. <laughs> okay? You know, you know are, are, you, are you searching for God? Are you seeking Him for just a little five or ten minutes? Or are you really, really seeking God when you're... When, 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 you're, when you're, feeling, you're feeling frustrated and you're walking out from the job and you're going to put your key in the car, you're going to open the car door and got all these thoughts, are you seeking God on the way to the car? Are you seeking God on the way to the kitchen? Are you seeking God on the way out to the backyard? Are you seeking God just walking from room to room? You know, you know, you know, you know, you know seeking God is when you get to the point where, where like, and you've heard me say this before, many times my wife would be saying to me, you say something, Mike, you say something. I say, no, I'm just praying. Okay, because I'll be walking through the house doing whatever I'm doing and a thought, an emotion or whatever will come over my mind. And I'll just talk to God and just say, what's going on here, Lord? So and so and so and so, you know, or why am I feeling this? What's happening, Lord? You know, I'm feeling a little depressed, feeling a little depressed here. What's going on? And the Lord will say to me real quickly, say, my joy is your strength. My joy is your strength. So right away, I remember in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of depression right now because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Boom, depression gone. This is seeking God. Seeking God is, is, is not a formal time for you to say, oh boy, it's six o'clock now, I gotta stop watching the news and I gotta jump up and go seek God. Seeking God is when He is a part of your every waking moment. Now that does not mean that you, 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 you can't stop and do whatever it is that you have to do. You gotta do life. You gotta do a thing called life, you know, okay? But what I'm saying to you is that during the course of the day, without having a formal time, you seek God. Because when you get in the habit of seeking God, He will guide your actions. You know, I've told you a million times, certain parking space, I'll be driving in the parking lot, and I'll start to go into a parking space, and I'll just see it, don't park there. 
And I won't stop and try to rationalize why. I'll just go in parks. And the wife will say, well, there's a parking space right there. I say, yeah, no, I know. I'm going to go over to this one. And she's learned to not question that because there's a reason. There's a reason. I, so, and that's how I kind of guide my life, you know, going into Winco. I mean, I may decide to take a shopping cart and I won't take that one. I'll take this one. Because time has shown me over when I ignored that kind of thing, I get one of those crappy carts when you push the thing down the aisle, it's throwing you and everything. It goes just twisting and bumping and you flipping over it yourself. Uh-uh. So if, if I have, yeah, and you want to pick up the thing and just, you know, carry it or throw it, you know. So even down to something as silly as a shopping cart, you know, I get an unction, un- don't grab that one, get that one, then I'll grab that one. Simple as that. See, what I'm saying to you, seeking God and having God in your life is having him in every single moment of your life. Every single moment, the little things. This gets you in the habit, in uh, the habit of not making decisions of yourself, letting God and letting Holy Spirit guide you for every single little silly aspect of your life. Every single quote unquote silly aspect. Okay, it's getting to the point of seeking God with all your heart, because that's with all your heart. That's you saying that God is so important to me in making decisions that even in choosing a shopping cart, I'm going to seek God's direction for that. See, see, so that then when it really gets down to the deep things in life, to the deeper things that you really need direction with, you know, concerning your career, concerning um, the need for a house, concerning concerning the need for, for where you're going to send your kids to school, which is something that is going to be coming up quite a bit in, in, in Christians lives as their children grow, especially if you've got kids like at the elementary school level. You really need to start praying on that because the things that are coming about are, are just horrendous. You know, I mentioned to a couple of you where I saw a report that uh, um, where they had these, uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call them? Um, oh, gosh, the, the, men, the men that dresses women to do uh, drag queens. They had these drag queens that were in a library reading bedtime stories to a group of children. And they were fully dressed in their drag queen garb and so forth like that. Okay, and when the library closed down the thing and would not let them do them do that anymore, guess who picked them up? Who took them in to continue reading to the children? A church. A church. A church picked them up and said, "We, you can come and you can read to our children because we are all inclusive." That magic word today, all inclusive. So not getting political, not getting politically correct and all that sort of thing. But I'm saying to you, there's a spiritual reality here that is developing. That we as Christians, we as Christians who have, who have uh, elementary school children, we really, really, really need to be seriously seeking God in our lives as we go forth. Because the devil is working overtime here to sneak in things right, right under our very noses. And if we're not bold enough and strong enough to stand up and speak out, our children will be exposed to all sorts of filth and everything that's counter to the word of God. So God says to seek him with all of your heart. That means in everything, in everything that you do. You see, you see, and that's the important thing. In Matthew 7, 7, 7, and 11, we'll go there real quick. Matthew 7. How do I know God's purpose? You know, the interesting thing, Matthew 7, the the interesting thing is about seeking God for guidance and so forth. Um, God is our heavenly father. We are his children. And we, as fathers and mothers, we have children. And we try to raise our children the best way that we can in godly ways and so forth. And we try to provide advice. If you don't talk to your children 
or the youngsters that you have influence over if you don't have children directly, but aunts, nieces, ne- I mean, uh, 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 nephews, nieces, and so on, but you have children under you that are influenced, you are influencing. If you're not training and teaching them right, guess where they get the information from? They get the information from their classmates, from their playmates, you know, from somebody that they see in the playground. This is where they start getting information. If they get to the point that they can't come and talk to you to get advice and to talk to you openly and freely, they go and they talk to those who will give them advice. Well, the same thing applies to us as adults. If we do not seek the proper authority for advice and for guidance, if we do not go to God and let Holy Spirit guide us when we need things, when we need input, when we need direction, when we're kind of out there lost and we're fumbling around, if we don't go to the authority, the proper authority, God, for advice and direction, guess who is more than willing to give us guidance and direction? Guess who is more than willing to give us guidance? Guess who is more than willing to help us make up our minds and to make a decision on what we should or we shouldn't do? Is the devil himself. You see, you see. So it's very important that in seeking God with all our heart, that we, we, we realize that if we don't go to God, you see, and, and, and you know, and the thing about it, the interesting thing about it is that the, 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 the devil is so insidious is that you don't see him as a being that is around you. You don't see him in his true form, okay? But he will appear to you as a thought. Okay, and, and, and that thought in, 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 in making a decision for your life or in planning whether to go left or, or right in your, left, in your life, that thought will appear to you as a thought in your head. And that thought could be your thought, not God's thought, your thought. I think that I should do this. I think that I should do that. Okay, and the thought, the decision that you may be making based on your thinking, you know, based on your thinking, okay, could be totally wrong. Be totally wrong. I know when I was coming up and things like that and I was trying to make decisions about my career, I'd run to my dad. Run to my dad. Say, Dad, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And let me show you this that I wrote. Oh, no, 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 son, you don't want to do that. You don't do that. You know, I suggest, I suggest, I suggest, I suggest. And lo and behold, when I followed what it was that he told me to do, the doors were open, you see. But my thinking, my thinking had me writing things a certain way. My thinking had me answering the questions a certain way, you see, you see. But thank God my dad was there and was more than willing to help, okay. And I'm guessing that whole thing that things worked out the way they did for good, thank God, and praise God for all those years, successful career, that God was behind the decisions and the advice that he was giving me because he was a man that had wisdom. A man had wisdom, a man that had many, many years of succeeding, ups and downs of life, and he knew how to turn to the God for to God for advice. You see, you see. So, 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 if we are not seeking God for input, if we're not truly with all our hearts seeking God, the input that we get, the thoughts that we get, will be from the devil. It could be our own thoughts. Our own thoughts many times are like the devil's, especially if our thoughts are absent God. If we're making decisions without God, then your thoughts then are based on very, very unshaky, unshaky foundation. You see, seven, Matthew seven, verse number seven. Matthew seven, verse number seven. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Please underline all of that. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened in unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Okay? And just to pause there, pause there for a moment. Seven and eight there. Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Did you ever make a decision that you regretted making? 
You ever make a decision where you wound up in a worse spot than you were? <laughs> right? And many times it doesn't have to be a horrendous thing. It doesn't have to be a career-shattering thing. But it could just be a bad choice. Okay? I know I, being that I'm a gadget, you know how much I love gadgets? I've bought something off Amazon that I just wanted, okay, and got the thing back home and the thing fell apart the minute I got it out of the box. Tried getting to customer service from the seller and the seller kind of just runs you all around around Gimbel's gate there instead of giving you an easy refund. And you wind up having to do a chat conversation with Amazon and doing this and that. And while I'm doing that, now I kid you not when I say this, I'm up here pastoring and preaching this word to you. And I want to stand all of a sudden I hear in my spirit, did you pray about that? I'm serious. Did I? Did you pray about that? And I stop and I think about it. Gee whiz, I didn't. I just went on and bowed right on ahead. Instead of praying about it, maybe the Holy Spirit will say, well, try a couple of sellers. Try a couple, you know, look around a little bit more instead of jumping on the first thing that you find. Okay? And, and that's happened to me with some electronic piece of device. It was some, some electrical device. Okay? And I'm saying to you that that is so easy to do. So easy to do because you think, well, gee, I'm just, I just want to buy this gizmo off of Amazon. What's the big deal? I don't need to get God all involved in that. And you just go on and buy it. And, and you don't know what, what, what doors you could be open. Okay, right. There was an iPhone, the first iPhone that came out, first iPhone that came out, and I went to buy one of those things, and I saw it on eBay. Saw it on eBay. And I just jumped in, pray about, jumped on and bought that. This is the first iPhone now, and got this thing. It came in the mail. First, it was shipped all the way from China. The thing came in a box, and the phone was about that thick. Huge thing. When I opened it, it didn't work. When I opened it up, there wasn't even a battery inside. A whole bunch of a whole bunch of other metallic stuff. It was it was a phony. It was a dud. It was a phony, and I had to write back. And the person did this by design. This wasn't a mistake. This this was a bad seller on eBay, and I just lumbered on. Here I am, a child of God now, and here I get fall. I fall victim to something like that. Later on, listen to the story. Was I didn't I didn't pray about it. I didn't think because God. I, mean, I know God would have shown me. And what the deal was after I got the uh, what's his name Better Business Bureau and other people involved. It took me several weeks to undo that mess and threatening to call the Justice Department and so forth. All these emails back and forth. I finally got it undone and eBay issued a refund. I mean, this was weeks, weeks, weeks went by. So the point that I'm making to you is that I could have done away with all that. It's simply that I prayed about it and said, God, should I get it from this seller? Or should I even go to eBay? Or should I even bother with eBay? Okay, so what the point I'm making to you is, is that if you do what God is saying here, if you ask, it shall be given. If you seek, you shall find. For everyone that asks, receives, and he that seeks, finds. To him uh, that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If then, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him. All you got to do is ask God. Okay, God is there willing and hoping and, and willing to do that for you. And, and, and here so far I've been speaking about things and whatnot, but what about your life and your career? Don't you think God wants to more than be, uh, be more than happy to tell you what your life, what your plan, what his plan is for your life is? While the word shows God's will relative to mankind, you must do more to find God's will specifically for you. You know, now God's will for mankind is very easily found in the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not this and so forth. Well, that's the general rule for mankind. But what about God's will for you specifically? Okay, it's a lot deeper than that. It's a lot deeper. It's a lot deeper. Go to Romans 12. Thank you, Jesus.
Okay. Romans 12. <coughs> and we're just going to do 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, that's one of the most difficult things, I think, uh, for us here in the 21st century. And uh, well, now that I think about it, and I'm sure it isn't the only time in life, in the history of man, that it's been difficult. But we have such pressures upon us to conform to the things of this world. We have so much pressure on us to do as the others do. We have so much pressure on us today to say as others say. So much pressure to not say as others do not say. To conform to the thinking of the world. Everyone else believes that this is good. Everyone else believes that this is right. So why don't you believe that this is right? Why don't you believe that this is correct? And I'm sure that in other points in history and whatnot, especially in Christian history, there have been other times I'm sure the things must have popped up that were similar where the crowd or the ruling class, so to speak, wanted you to think a certain way. And we as Christians just refused to go that way. And what happened? We were persecuted. I mean, look at Saul. What did Saul start out doing? Saul went out off trying to kill off every single Christian because Christians were, were, were talking a new story. They were preaching Jesus Christ. They were speaking of Jesus. And that was a departure from the Jewish faith. And Saul was a learned man of the Jewish faith. So what did he do? He went out persecuting all the Christians because we were not saying what the Jewish faith at the time was saying. So the same thing happens to us today. There's a world around us that is, is putting great pressure on us as Christians to conform to their way of thinking. Okay? To conform to their way of thinking. To accepting their ways of life, which are counter to the word of God. It counter to the word of God. They want us to, to, to be pressured into thinking the way they do. The word of God says, don't, don't conform to that. Okay, because if you want to know God's purpose for your life and God's will is for you to excel in whatever and to do whatever he's calling you to do. If you wind up conforming to this world and doing what this world is telling you to do, which is without God, then how is God going to promote you to where he wants you to be? Okay, all right. right. And don't forget, God's ultimate goal for all of us as his children are to glorify him in the things that we do. That's his ultimate goal, which we should also think about. Okay. How am I carrying myself in the store? How am I carrying myself in the streets? Because you never know who's around you. You know, you know, we went on one of those, uh, went on the, the uh, home tour yesterday. You know, that's where you go look at these new houses that are built in Salem and you can walk through and see how they've been staged and how nice they look and so on. And what have we walk in there and one of the builders was there with his wife in one of the house and, and he was smiling and looking at us and nodding his head and then looked at us and said, uh, do those kids, because we had my, two of my grandchildren with me, and he said, uh, do those kids, uh, they go to Sunshine? They said, yeah, well, we know them from Sunshine. And they saw the, the dad that was there, and they looked at Brandon and said, oh, yeah, hi, how are you, and so on like that. So out of all these people that were in this house, they spotted them, the children. So what I'm saying to you is that you don't know who is around you. You don't know who is seeing you. Now, if we had been in there, I suppose we had walked in there with our hats on backwards and 
pants on the ground and and talking a whole lot of loud slang and just acting all this and that. And then they're looking. Yeah, those are the kids that go to Sunshine. Boy, they don't act like that when they're in school. But look at them now. You know, I mean, look at them. Got wine bottles in their back pockets and so forth. I mean, just really the antithesis of what a Christian should be. You know, now what I'm saying, now that sounds really wild and far-fetched and so silly, but I'm saying to you is that, you know, I've gone to Walmart and spotted people from my old job. You don't know who's around me, okay? Right? You should be glorifying God in how you carry yourself. All right? That's what I'm saying to you. You should not be out there asking, acting in any way that is unbecoming of a child of God as, as a Christian, okay? Doesn't that mean you've got to walk around carrying a big giant cross in your Bible on your arm all the time, and every time you see somebody, praise God, bless your brother, bless your brother, bless your How are you today? Oh, God bless you. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that you should glorify God. You should glorify God in a, in a way that when people see you, they would want to know, how are you, how, how are you succeeding in life? You're always smiling. You always look so joyful. I always feel so comfortable when, when I'm around you. What, what is it? We, we, we got this situation on the job going on. We got this situation in life going on. We got this situation in the neighborhood. But you always seem so up all the time. Why is that? Which gives you opportunity then to talk about the Lord. Amen. So we should be glorifying God in our lives. It's how we, it's how we carry ourselves, you know. You know and, and here in Romans, Romans 12. 12, 1 and 2, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. I want to know God's will for my life. How am I doing so far in carrying out God's will? And then sometimes God's will is not always your will. Many people think that if they're good at something, that that's what God called them to do. Not necessarily so. I mean, you may be an expert, you know, video game player, let's say. I mean, you can go to the highest level of every single video game. Does that mean that God wants you to be the king of the video games for all of life, you know, and through your, and through your video games? I mean, I guess you can praise God and honor God, develop a video game, a God-centered video game. I guess you can do that. But the point that I'm making is that not always what God's plan is, is your plan, and what you may be good at may not be what God wants you to ultimately do. You see, and so many times, you know, we think that, that just because um, I enjoy something, this must be where God wants me to be. Man, I really enjoy doing that. This must be God's will for me. Okay? Well, boy, if that's the, play, if that's the case, man, you, you got a bar full of people <laughs> sitting up on those stools that could think that this is God's will for me because, boy, I sure enjoy drinking. <laughs> this drink makes me feel so good. This must be God's will for me. You know, just go on and stay drunk all the time, okay? So what you enjoy might not necessarily be God's will for you. God's will may be for something that you're scared stiff about doing. God's will may be something that you really, that's like kind of the last thing that you'd want to do, okay? But God will equip you to do that, okay? Okay. I never thought of God's will for me to be a preacher, you know, God's, God's way certainly was the kind of the furthest thing from my mind, even ushering in a church. I mean, that was something that I just started doing kind of reluctantly there. You know, until this brother said, all right, brother, you've been attending here long enough. You can get up and grab some of these boltons and go stand by the back door and start handing them out as they come in. Okay, and that, that was the start of my, of my ushering career. And just by being willingness to give in to God in that little, 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 little step there, which I was kind of nervous about doing, okay, then God opened the doors and God gave me strength and God prepared me and built me and created the way. Well, so it will be with you. Whatever God's will really is for your life, if you don't feel equipped to do it now, 
And if you know it's God's will for you to get into that particular area, whatever that might be, and you know that 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 through prayer, that this is what God is calling you to to do, don't feel ill-equipped. Because while you may start off feeling like that, simply by you saying, be it according to your will, God, will empower him then to do whatever he needs to do to build you to, to do whatever he's calling you to do. All right. All right. And then that's that's how it goes. That's how God works. That's why God's will may have nothing to do with your natural gifts. If you can do something yourself naturally, then you wouldn't need God's empowerment. Stop and think about that. If you were just so good at whatever that you did, you could just rise to the top of, of, of the hill there in, in, in doing whatever that great thing is on your own, then you wouldn't be depending on God. And God does not want us doing things in our lives that's not dependent on him. He wants us to be consulting him. All right. If you can do something naturally, you wouldn't need God's will and God's empowerment. Sometimes people's talents may be an indication of what God's will is, but you may have gifts and talents you don't even know exist yet. Okay, you know, if you're a gifted musician, yeah, God gave you that gift. I'm not saying to ignore the gifts that God gave you. If you're a gifted musician, God gave you that gift. But how do you know what God wants you to do with it? Okay, there are many, many gifted musicians out there. I mean, really gifted and talented musicians. But what kind of music are they putting out? Putting out music, music where like you is, you know, you know, uh, on your um, on, on your, 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 your phone or your iPod or whatever you have that you listen to music on. Within the app, there's a little thing that says block explicit music. And I hope you have that checked to yes, where you can block that music. Because you can put on a song, you know, by some gifted people. Boy, it's got every curse word in the sun on it and every single single loathsome thing that you would not going into your ears. OK, so what I'm saying to you is that, yeah, there are gifted people out there. but Are they using that gift to the glory of God? You see, so just because you have a gift does not mean that that's what God is wanting you to do. You know, you know I mean, God has the one to tell you how he wants you, wants you to take that. Amen. And in, and in closing here and in closing here with that, Paul said that God had separated him from his mother's womb and had called him by grace. You can see, see that in Galatia, in, in Galatians uh, 1.15. God purposed for Paul to be a minister of the gospel, as I said before, before he was ever born. He didn't look at Paul's talents once he grew up and then decided he could just use him. His life had been predestined just as yours. So, so, so if you look, if you only look at what you're good at to determine your purpose, you may totally miss it. You know, Paul was um, by today's standard, Saul rather, by today's standard, Saul had like a, a Ph.D. In, in religion, in theology, if you will. I mean, he was high on the pole there as far as a Jewish scholar, so to, so to speak. But he took it upon himself to go out and persecute Christians because they were not, 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 not realizing God following Jesus Christ. They were not realizing God as he was taught to follow God in the old Jewish beliefs. Okay? But God had a design for, for, for Saul's life. Saul was going to become Paul and to become one of the greatest writers in the Holy Bible that we have today. So Paul had a, Paul had a purpose uh, in his life that God had placed there, and he finally gave into it. Did it take a little bit of giving, uh, doing? It sure did, if you will. After he had been persecuting Jesus Christ and all of his followers, where was he? He was on the road to Damascus, on the horse. All of a sudden, a light from the sky blinded him, knocked him off that horse, and he said, why do you persecute me? Jesus talking to Saul, and he went blind. At that point in time, Saul knew that I did something wrong. I was persecuting him. Jesus told him where to go, some miles away, to meet with Ananias, and Ananias was going to pray over him and heal him. In the meantime, Holy Spirit went to Ananias and said, I'm going to send Saul your way. 
And I said, oh, no, 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 you don't want me to pray to that, pray for that guy. I mean, he's been persecuted, he's been killing us. You know, and God said, that's what you need to do. And of course, Ananias gave in. And when Saul, before he became Paul, came there, he laid hands on him and his sight was restored. And that turned Saul's life all around, totally, where he became Paul, one of the greatest writers in the Christian Bible today. So what I'm saying to you is, don't let, don't let it get to the point where you have to fall, be knocked off of your horse, so to speak, and be blinded before you get the point that God's trying to tell you something. That God's trying to tell you, this is what I want you to do with your life. And what he wants you to do with your life may be, at this point, totally counter to what you want with your life. But you have a choice. You can continue doing what you want to do. Continue doing what you want to do and wind up running into all sorts of headaches, stumbles and bumps and bruises all along the way. God loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. If you've committed, you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you believe it in your heart, you'll be going to heaven. But your time here on life could be a whole lot easier, a whole lot smoother when you're not bumping and running into every single tree and stumbling block that's on your path of life. You can get there much more smoothly if you just follow God. We don't have to wrestle and struggle with things. Do we have times of tribulations? Yes, we do. The Bible said we would. Jesus said we would. But we have God, the Father, the Holy Spirit that empowers us to overcome those things. So we have a choice. Either you can realize what your will is for God or desire to know. And especially if you're at that point where you're feeling like, I'm not where I need to be. And you just kind of feel off balance, you know, off center. You know, you know that something is is out there. Something is like you feel like that balloon's about to burst or that rubber band's too stretched. Something needs to change. Then more than likely, that's Holy Spirit tugging at you, calling at you, saying you need need to align. You need to to align with me. You need to, to get back in line. You see, and if you can really, 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 really seek God with all of your heart, with all humility, is saying, Lord, I know that you're calling me. I feel it. You're calling me to something else. What is it you want me to do? You see, and it may not feel comfortable to you. You see, but just like when Holy Spirit came upon Mary and said that you're going to be pregnant, you're going with a child and so forth. And he said, she said at first, how can this be? I have known not a man and everything. And the Holy Spirit explained what's going to happen. And finally, she said, be it so. She surrendered and said, be it so. If you can get to the point in your life that you can say, Lord, be it so, regardless of what it may seem like to me right now. Okay, you may feel nervous getting out the gate, but if you just surrender to God and continue seeking him, he'll make that path for you so smooth, so smooth, that one day all of a sudden you'll look back and you'll say, wow. You look back, man, how did I get here? How did I get here? Look at me now. Look at me. You see, you see? But it's all, all up to you to realize God's purpose for your life. He's here to show it to you. You just have to find it and seek him for it. Praise God. Praise God. I pray this message was a blessing for you. And now let us prepare, before we close, prepare to honor God's our tithes and offerings.